to get things underway, the reading that I've selected today begins on page 26. And it takes us back into uh, history a little bit and, and um, points out a lot of the uh, exact nature. I think it, it illustrates. So anyway, um, beginning with, so he returned to this doctor whom he admired and asked him point blank why he could not recover. He wished above all things to regain self-control. He seemed quite rational and well-balanced with respect to other problems, yet he had no control whatever on over alcohol. Right. Why was this? Oh. He begged the doctor to tell him the whole truth, and he got it. In the doctor's judgment, he was utterly hopeless. He could never regain his position in society, and he would have to place himself under lock and key or hire a bodyguard if he expected to live long. That was a great physician's opinion. But this man still lives and is a free man. He does not need a bodyguard, nor is he confined. He can go anywhere on this earth where other free men may go without disaster, providing or provided he remains willing to maintain a, cer a certain simple attitude. Some of our alcoholic readers may think they can do without spiritual help. Let us tell you the rest of the conversation our friend had with his doctor. The doctor said, you have the mind of a chronic alcoholic. I have never seen one single case recover where that state of mind existed to the extent that it does in you. Our friend felt as though the gates of hell had closed on him with a clang. He said to the doctor, is there no exception? Yes, replied the doctor, there is. Exceptions to cases such as yours have been occurring since early times. Here and there, once in a while, alcoholics have had what are called vital spiritual experiences. To me, these occurrences are phenomena. They appear to be in the nature of huge emotional displacements and rearrangements. Ideas, emotions, and attitudes which were once the guiding forces of the lives of these men are suddenly cast to one side and a completely new set of conceptions and motives begin to dominate them. In fact, 
I have been trying to produce some such emotional rearrangement within you. With many individuals, the methods which I employ are successful, but I have never been successful with an alcoholic of your description. Upon hearing this, our friend was so much, somewhat relieved, for he reflected that, after all, he was a good church member. This hope, however, was destroyed by the doctors telling him that while his religious convictions were very good, in his case, they did not the necessary vital spiritual experience. Here was a terrible dilemma in which our friend found himself when he had the extraordinary experience which we have already told you made him a free man. We in turn sought the same escape with all the desperation of drowning men. What seemed at first a flimsy reed has proved to be the loving and powerful hand of God. A new life has been given us, or if you prefer, a design for living that really works. Okay. I forgot where I was there. Okay, here we are. <laughs> Sorry about that, Paul. Oh, no, it's great, actually. Well, thank you for that. You're welcome. Yeah, this always now, when he, they talk about all these things, that he was pretty good at everything else but this, and that he had the most fervent wish, wish for it to be different, but it isn't. It seems like he's in a dilemma of powerlessness and something is exerting power over him and he doesn't have the power to react to that. Yeah, It feels like, like when you're not in good physical condition, you may be taken over by a virus and you don't have the immunity to, to the immune system. Strength isn't enough that you get sick. Yeah. And then some people who don't have that healthy immune system get sick frequently. They, they are easily taken over by a virus and they may get the flu five or six times a year. Yeah, now it's not really dependent on the virus at that point, it's based on our condition. And so here in a way, I feel alcoholism is almost like a parasitical movement or a virus that takes over a system. Now that system in a lot of ways can work, yet now it's infected by this virus. Yeah. And this virus, when everyone gets this one virus, they all show similar symptoms, even though they're quite unique and different. The one, the body, the person, if you want to call it that, that's taken over by the virus usually has the same symptoms. Maybe it starts in the stomach for some, maybe in the head for the others, but it's very much similar how the virus expresses itself through that person. Yeah. And that person's uniqueness, it gets overridden by the virus. 
So they're sick and they can't do what they usually would do because the virus is the dominant condition. Yeah? Well, this is what I feel happens with alcoholism. And the beauty about the virus, when you're really sick, you really think it's you feeling sick. Yes. But usually it ends in eight days or 10 days. Alcoholism doesn't do that. Alcoholism takes you over and it could take you over for a lifetime. Yeah. It's a much different virus. It's length or its ability to sustain itself in the host is really, I humbly believe, is built on that it is a, a virus of a mental variety. Yeah. You can't see it. It's not in the blood. It's not in the liver. It's not in the kidney, not in the intestines. It's in the head. Yeah. And this virus basically convinces the host that it is the host. So it can, it can set up a residence in us and live as us for many, many years. Yeah. For some of us till we pass away. Uh, other us, it has become so severe in a way that there needs to be something to happen. And then some of these people that were under this effect have a, a, a spiritual experience, which they tell you to go back in the back and look at the whole couple pages about spiritual experience, but something, and it's obviously, it's not what the person was taking or was doing. It was a sudden change that they didn't even know was coming because they didn't bring it about. Something did for them what they couldn't do for themselves and they get whacked. And at that moment, there's enough shift that they have a sufficient enough defense against that first drink, let's say. Yeah. Or they just, they've lost interest in it. But the dilemma with that is because I fall under that category in one way, I was struck sober, but I truly believe if I was not introduced to as to the design for living that recovery offered I would have gotten loaded in a couple of days. Yeah. So the point is they saw the infrequency of this event and it's difficult to produce a surrendering event. There was a psychiatrist in early recovery, Tebow, I think his name was. Do you ever hear of him? Well, he believed that, and he worked on people to, to manufacture a surrender where he would tell the wife to tell the husband she was leaving him, tell the employer that he was firing the guy. And he would create a situation where maybe all that was enabling him to continue under this uh, influence of the parasite would break down and maybe that bottom would trigger a surrender. And he had a little bit of success, but none of, we can't do that theater with millions of people. Yeah. <laughs> you can't make up a setting to produce something if for millions of people. So finally something came in that could be easily passed around that could produce the same effects and actually extend those effects by a, because it's a design for living, which is the program of recovery. Yeah. So we've now have uh, a very wide gate that many people can enter and get the, the same relief that was, was only available for some special cases yes but basically the spirit is in a sense the same way something is going to do for us what we can't do for ourselves 
Now we can do the steps. We can go to meetings. We can put up the chairs. We can do all that. But there's a grace that comes about that isn't produced by putting up the chairs. It's produced by a sense of a higher power that's infused this program with some powers, I feel. Yeah? And I believe this is the solution. And so many of us who would be incredible candidates for that sudden rearrangement, that sudden rearrangement isn't the way it happened. We went to AA, we identified with other alcoholics, we realized we were fucked, and we followed some simple suggestions, and we got the relief. Now, maybe it wasn't, you can't write a blog about it or have a parade around it, or it doesn't look like you're surrendering on a cliff with your hair being blown back and your future and past girlfriends looking at you with great adoration. No, it may be just you get fucking off it and you do an inventory and do this and you just show up a day at a time and you get established in the habit of being sober. Yeah, yeah. which is necessary, big displacement or not. Without that habit, that big displacement can be displaced. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen people that get it, and by the weekend, they, they, they lost it, so to speak. Yeah. So many of us need a way of light so that the miracle can extend itself in time. And with conditions and situations and thought patterns that thrive in time. In other words, a lot of people... When they're talking about fear, it's mental anxiety. The sense of fear is being produced by ideation or uh, obsession over what could happen to you later or what happened to you in the past, you see? So time plays a, a big role in our defeat. That's why we have to make peace with the past because the hand of the parasite comes out of the past and fucking strangles us in this moment. Yeah, through all the thoughts and all the remorse and all this shit. Yeah, and all the guilt and shame because you believe, though you're not, that you are the doer of those actions when you are being used by this idea of self to do those actions. This is the whole point of this platform, really. Yeah, is to get down to the exact nature of the wrong, huge displacement or not, so that you can recognize what has defeated us with the hopes that recognition will open you up to a possibility of something doing for you what you can't do for yourself by realizing no human power can change this, yeah? It says it over and over again in the book. They keep reinforcing it, yeah? Now, a lot of people get into the thing of it has to be God. Forget that. Just admit no human power can do it, and you're a human power, yeah? Admit it. Just tell the truth you're fucked when you're fucked. And then just follow some simple suggestions a day at a time, you know, till 12 o'clock in the afternoon, if, if need be. You don't have to make it a giant martyrdom. Oh, I'm giving up something. You're not giving up shit. Yeah. Oh, I'm giving up drinking. Oh, wow. That's fucking, wow. <laughs> you're going to be so much better off. Oh, I'll never be high again. You'll be high all day. The presence of this power is a high. It is. Yeah. And you're not going to get pulled over for it. Can't get arrested. You don't have to kiss someone's ass for it anymore. Yeah. It's quite 
independent. It's true independence, literally. <clears throat> truly is. <clears throat> In the dependence on these principles, you have true independence. Yeah? So, so, yeah. So this goes on and on. This guy, yeah, he was completely fucked, and then, he's, and then he isn't. How? What happened? Yeah? <clears throat> Did he do anything? Very, very, very little. Yeah? He just followed some simple suggestions. Yeah? And what happened? He got established in that huge displacement. Yeah? Yeah. Now he's in the habit of being sober. He probably died sober, like many of them did. And I remember when I came into AA in 1988, the meeting I uh, adopted as my home group was uh, high noon. It was on Guerrero and 17th in San Francisco. It was some. It was a very flamboyant meeting. They have a lot of different types of people. And it, we this meeting got hit by AIDS terribly. And a lot of the people that I would see at that meeting, it was every day at noon, every weekday, I guess, uh, they died, yeah? And most of them died sober. It was amazing, the demonstration. It really was. I didn't know them well, but I was tracking them because they were a member and people were concerned in the group and most of them died sober. Incredible, eh? Incredible, the power that was going on. So, uh, yeah, yeah. So, so uh, read the spiritual experience if you knew, because they had to make a, they had to bring that up because people thought they had to have a burning bit bush moment for them to get sober, which happens in spirituality. Someone talks about, oh, I had this great awakening, and everyone thinks because they haven't had the same situation and setting, they haven't gotten it. You have to realize, humbly, you already are awake. Your head just doesn't think so. Really, you're awake. What do you call living? Do you believe you're making up the thing that is called living? No, you're basically on already. And you're trying to find, figure out how to do and where to go, whatever. But the onness is a given. Yeah. So we're awake. Seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching. How more awake can you be than that? Yeah. Unawake would be no seeing, no hearing, no feeling, no touchy, no, no, yes. The awakeness is there. The head just doesn't think so. Yeah. And so what happens, we do something and that over a dependency on the head diminishes and you find the inner resource, the unsuspected one of your own spirit. And now your life gets pegged there through the habit of being sober and you live from spirit instead of from the head. Yeah. And life looks different. You travel lighter and things like that. I mean, I couldn't make it through a day, not not even close for a week. I would have an incredible catastrophe at the end every week, either getting arrested or overdosing. And I have been, you know, for 35 years, I've been traveling lighter. Yeah, that's amazing. Can you imagine if I had to set out to travel lighter every day? I'd fuck it up. Yeah. 
but I don't. I just respond to a condition I'm in. I don't have to make that condition. I'm in the condition. Yeah. All I don't. All I have to do is not make other conditions more important than this condition. Literally. And usually, the one that you need not to make more important is the mental condition, thinking about yesterday and tomorrow at the expense of being here today. Seriously. Yeah. The easiest thing that seems to be such a daunting odyssey is being here now because you are already. <laughs> this is what blows the mind. The hardest thing to do is be where, exactly where we are. You, we talk about acceptance. How about accepting being here now? <laughs> That's the fact. Like it or not, you're seemingly in a town called Madeira on a Zoom in some fucking room with light coming out from the back. Yeah, I'm in a town called Novato on a couch with a dog that's waiting to go out and trying to be as patient as it can be as an impatient three-year-old fucking retriever. And here I am. Yeah. That's what, what's, how hard is that to accept? Yeah. Acceptance is the easiest thing. You don't want to change anything that's happening. That's a, wow. <laughs> You mean doing nothing is a form of accept? In a sense, yes. Yeah. I don't want anyone who's not here not to be here, and I don't want anyone's here not to be here. It's just, I mean, uh, every time I look at the Zoom, I don't go, don't want them, want them, don't want them, want them, don't want them. No, it's just who's ever here is here, and here we go. Be here now. Wow. It's like an 800 page manual of being here now. It's a natural condition. How is this so insane? We can think about eight years from now like that, but we can't recognize we're here. Something is obstructing us. Something is obstructing us. And it not it is not you. I do not hate myself. I am not my own worst enemy. There is a worst enemy maybe in, in the system, yeah? There's somebody in the garage or in the basement that's causing some fucking shit. Yeah. But it's not me. Hallelujah. Yeah. Yeah. This is the fundamental recognition I had concerning the exact nature of the wrong. It's not me. And then the possibility of being free from it became available. And when that happened, it showed me why that possibility of being free from it wasn't available. I was identified as self, and I was constantly in the act of self trying to get out of self, which is explained in our community as an impossibility. Self cannot get out of self. So I was experiencing that fact. No matter what I tried to do, I couldn't get out of it. Yeah. Then I finally realized maybe I'm not in it, and it changed everything. Yeah. To not be in something, does it take any effort or thought? If I'm not in something, to not be in something, if I'm not in something, does it demonstrate any thought or effort? No. No? Yeah? Yeah, there you go. That's what it's like. And I'm a slacker at heart, seriously. But most definitely, I am into the easier, softer way. Yeah, yeah. And one thing I have found out, being here now is not based on effort or thought, it's based on recognition. 
awareness. You're aware. <laughs> Has anything ever been out of be here now? Every thought we've had of next year has been held here now. Every, every memory of eight years ago is, is held here and now. It's always here and now. Yeah. The head wants it to be there and then. It does. It does. But it can only do that in here and now. The only time it can think of tomorrow is now and of yesterday is now. There's no other time here and now. Not a giant goal to arrive at. It's a recognition of your own condition. You are in the condition of being here now. No escape, no getting out. When you finally pass away, there won't be anyone who knows they passed away. It will end abruptly and it will be like it never happened. But while you're here, you're here now. <laughs> no matter how much you think you can't be here then and you can't be here you know you can't yeah <laughs> you can think you're in a condition you can believe you're in a condition you can assume you're in, in a condition but that might not be true but you are in one condition which is here now yeah. yeah. Wouldn't that be nice? I mean, if you're playing baseball, if you're on first base, it's good to know you're on first base. It's good. Yeah. It 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 sets up what you're gonna do next. Yeah. If you think you're on home and a guy hits a single and you you're on first, you're supposed to run the second. <laughs> so this is uh the simplicity of it is beautiful, literally. Yeah. It's a way of life to produce this impossible huge shift of personality. And it works. It's worked for many of us for 40, 50 years, 35 years, 35 days. It doesn't matter. One day or 35 years, it works. Yeah. It doesn't work more at 35 years and it doesn't work less on one day. It works. Yeah. Yeah. I'm stoked, man. Can you imagine how it was? It was unbelievable. Unbelievable to be so desperate and in an incomprehensible, demoralized, pitiful state. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. All right. Thanks. Thanks, Mickey. Great read. I'm sorry I didn't go over it all, but it's obvious the guy was fucked. There was no way he was going to be unfucked. And then his life became unfucked. How did it happen? Well, his story to me seems like the beginning of this whole new revelation. Well, that's the beauty of it. When you hear the new revelation, you see it in all your other readings. <laughs> you bet. You do. You bet. And, and, you know, there's there are so many people that I find um, still insist on that guilt and shame, on that um, uh, 
doership of of the process rather than the process illustrating that we're not the doer. (laughs) See, but I'm fine with them if they want to do it that way. I just don't like when they tell me I should do it that way. Uh, well, you know, I, I, um, I, I allow them, but I feel bad for their suffering because they continue to suffer. Well, you know what? In a lot of ways, we're powerless. All you can maybe, do is- maybe their suffering um, enhances my gratitude for for the freedom well you know everyone has their crosses to bear so to speak yeah i just don't want to climb up on their cross (laughs) exactly if they want to be on that cross that's fine but you know just uh allow me the space not to be up there i'm not telling them to do this i'm just putting it out there yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't tell people who are new that come to see me, don't go to the, those meetings and listen to those people. I don't. No. I, I don't. It all works <laughs> out, but I don't like when uh, uh, other people want to, you know, I just feel like it's contempt prior to investigation. It's right in the book. And I feel a lot of times I've been I've been in that state and I've been under that state from other people. Yes. But hey. In our preamble, in our preamble, it says that we share. We don't tell. We share our experience. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's an open it's an open uh forum yeah as long as you stay sort of on the point you know sometimes i hear people start talking about vitamin supplements for 15 minutes (laughs) that could be done outside outside issue huh yeah they could do that after the meeting it's fine but it's not in the meeting so yeah so but hey if you're the seat i'm telling you there is, we are under very strong conditionings, mm-hmm. especially when we appear as a little, as a body, and, a, and we're framed in the head as a doer, yes? And it's one of the basic foundations of the story, because if you weren't a doer, whose life would it be anyway? <laughs> yeah? So this is a sense of having or owning a life is really rooted in being the doer of what has happened in that life or the non-doer of what should have happened. Yes, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's an essential plank in the story of the head. And so some of these things that are essential are very difficult to, to see through. So that sense of doership can last 40 years of recovery and still being still triggered guilt and shame based on that which you did while under the influence. That's how powerful the programming is, yeah? But I believe the solution is more powerful. 
helpful. I always have and will. Yeah. And there can be relief where there was no relief before. Because it was simple. I remember when I came to in AA, I got after a few months on a some on a like a a kindergarten level, the idea of it was a disease that gave me some relief as being the doer of all that shit. Yeah. When I saw it and when I got sort of confronted by a, a an amends in front of some people I would like to impress. And the lady came in and said, you, I owe her 500 bucks. And you would think that would have triggered guilt and shame. And it didn't because I, and I, what I said to her was the truth. I said, what I did to you, I would have done to anyone unless you could have physically stopped me. So I was getting out of this ownership of a lot of shit that had happened while under the influence already in the first year. And I remember it. That was profound because anything else would have caused guilt and shame. And and right there, she, she was pulling my pants down, so to speak, in front of this lady I was trying to impress, and nothing happened. I just didn't feel any guilt and shame and I really got that I would have done what I did to her to anybody. Yeah, it was powerful, really, a lot of power. And then this was built upon where by being relieved of the bondage, I mean the day-to-day -day bondage, I saw how I was defeated by this idea. And then I saw that that idea isn't me, yeah, it's foreign. And it would be best to look at it as something other than me, because what the head is doing is it's constantly implying I am that, which has defeated me. Yeah. Now, if and I figured the defeat had a lot to do with I am that. Yeah. Because I had stopped drinking and using and I was still under a defeat from that. Yeah. And so when I saw it wasn't me, it opened up a floodgate of and that one and the possibility that came in was I can be free from it. Unbelievable. I had never really been able to seize that possibility because I was handcuffed by being identified as it or not me doing it, but listening to the head that was in the act of being identified as it. Yeah. And then that's what started breaking the spell. Uh, first, I saw thoughts that I call mine as alcoholic thoughts, and that brought a lot of space, yeah? And then I would see it in others where they described their thoughts. They sure sounded like my thoughts, and I realized the commonality of the defeat, yeah? I mean, completely realized that. And then that commonality brought more recognition that the thought system is infected and the thought system, liking or not, has played the role of the GPS in my life. I've been listening to the thoughts to direct me, to tell me what was going on, to you know preview what could be happening and, and go over what did happen with great faith. And I realized that faith is the, is the force that was my defeat. Faith in finite self was my it was the defeat. And then I realized what hap was happening in recovery was this program was allowing for a shift because I realized 
self can't get out of self. So if self tries to lose interest in self, that's more interest in self. I saw that unbelievably clearly. So I was, wow. So basically a lot of my doing to get out of self is a bigger form of being in self. What? Yes. So then suddenly things kept being revealed and the interest left. Yeah. And like the mental, the mental state was full of itself. That interest dropped. And then that unsuspected inner resource became really suspected. And I sensed the presence of this power. Yeah. This conscious presence. And I felt the new power flow in. And I realized there's another, there's another like a plug that can plug into the power source. Yeah. And AA was being, it was directing that plug to be put into a new socket. And all I had to do is get out of the way, don't play doctor, let it keep happening. And then I got plugged into that power. And then relief came. Relief, real relief from the bondage of self. Not relief for the bondage of self, but from it. And then all this that we share comes from all of that. Yeah, truly. More was revealed, more was revealed. And the relief was what was receiving the revelations. Yeah. And it just, uh, yeah, so here you are. <laughs> That's, a, you know, this is, not a, this is not a unique disease. It's a common one, but it has the quality of having you believe it's quite unique. Yeah. Because it's an interesting, it resides in the head. Yeah, yeah. So thinking is a huge uh, force of the disease. And the thinking is infected with the my, my thoughts. And listening to the thoughts is part of the trance of the disease. Yeah. So there's great faith in the thoughts and we suffer those consequences. Yeah. The program will move that faith and put it in where something that's truly reliable, which is the higher power, whatever that is to you. Yeah. And when you're, when there's faith in the higher power, you're going to have relief in this moment from that bondage of self. Yeah. And hopefully it will become a habit, literally. And you'll leave, you will live to us on a certain level of being free from the bondage of self. That is really the source of traveling lighter. Yeah. Could be, you know, very high level. It doesn't matter. There'll be relief from the bondage of self on some level. And I believe that level will progress and get bigger because I believe recovery progresses just like they say the disease progresses. I do. Yeah. I think more light begets more light. Yeah. So here you are. Just get clear about what has defeated you. Please stop calling its manifestations yours to begin with. How about that? <laughs> that's, not, that's not difficult. See what the word my implies. It me, It's an incredible uh, distribution of meaning. Yeah. Girlfriend, my girlfriend are completely different. Money, my money, completely different. Yeah. This sense of ownership is really what's defeating us. Yeah. yeah, the girlfriend is not defeating you. The my girlfriend sets up maybe a defeat. Yeah, 
because now you think you have the right to go check out her email or whatever, your stalking charges and shit. This sense of my is really uh, the act, the activity of the disease. Resentment, my resentment. Yes, fear, my fear. First yes. of all, we're not even clear. It's it's something's triggering fear, but it's mental anxiety. Yeah, because fear usually is triggered by a a temper a contemporary threat. We're triggering fear through mental anxiety. That's insane. Yeah, we are living. We we have an overabundance of fear in our life. And we don't have an, old, an overabundance of threats in our life. But we have an overabundance of fear, but not threats. Many of us are living quite well, but we're fucking petrified. This is mental anxiety. This is reliance on self. Yeah. It can provoke fear where there is no threat. That's insane. It's insane. Your nervous system can't be electrocuted every day. It's not going to do well. Yeah. You can't be living in, you know, like fucking getting frazzled every day. Yeah. It's gone too far. The mental state has mutated into a weird fucking ideation. And now we find assistance by fucking screens. The infinite scroll, the you know, all these iPads and phones constantly. You watch people. I saw it. I used it. The imagery, it blew my mind about that. They had a GoPro or some camera in a in a bus, and it was over where the driver was. And the on the other side, the first bench, there was a young girl just looking at her phone. The bus gets into an accident, starts flipping, and she's in the air holding for dear life her phone, doing 360s. She would have rather died than a phone gap broke. How many of you seen it? You're riding your bike. You start slipping into a ravine. You try to save the freaking bike. It's a hundred bucks. How, how, how valuable are you? Less than a hundred bucks? Because your head wants to save the... I saw it all the time surfing. You would go into the rocks. You try to save the board instead of your body. Fuck the board. You can buy another one. But no. And you see when you're in certain moments, you see the value system of the head that's defeating you. And you are not up on its hierarchical chain. You're not. It would rather not spill your Starbucks coffee and have you trip into the fucking curb. Insane. Yeah. Insane. Simple. It shows itself all the time. Do you want that to be the GPS of your life? The bondage of self is an activity. It is not an event. It's an activity. You are either partaking in it or not. Yeah. You're either hearing it or listening to it. It's different. You're going to hear the head. You are. 
but it's probably not going to direct your day. If you're listening to the head, it's a pretty good indication it's directing your day. Literally. Hearing and listening are different. If you're constantly listening to the head, it's directing your day, probably. If you're hearing it, it's maybe an annoyance or whatever. To me, it has a lot of comedy material. Yeah. And so it's amusing. But there's a huge difference between listening and hearing. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta, you're going to hear the noise, but you don't have to be listening to it. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Mickey, and everyone here. Just the, the, this is just an excuse for us to sit in the loving space of something that is expressing itself through us. Yeah. This is just a, this is just an excuse for that. That's what's feeding all of us is the, the participation with this event is the feeding. Yeah. I've been coming here for years now and I always feel better than when I would came in. Well, not all. I always feel at least the same or better. Yes. Yeah. Not bad. eh? Always. Yeah. We always have interesting shit. And then when Mickey shares, it's like a usually an odyssey and shit. It's great. <laughs> oh, shoot. <laughs> it's great. Really. It's, uh, I'm so happy to see all these faces. Uh, listen, Paul, Jules had her hand up. Let me see if I can find her. Jules on uh, radio? Jules on, on vocals. That's I like that. That's a good one. Jules uh, on vocals. Uh, that's, that, that is me. I'm on vocals. Um, I did have my hand up. I think you pretty much answered it, really, and it's a bit of a stupid question now because you answered it. Um, so let's move on. Yeah. Yeah, let's move on because you did answer it and uh, it was go, just more please. stuck yeah. in self. <laughs> yes, there you go. Yes. There you go. Thanks. Anyway, it's great. Thank Thanks, Paul. That's Good beautiful. Good to see you, Jules. Anybody else uh, want to uh, ask Paul a, a, a question? Here, here's Corey. Hi, everybody. Corey Alcoholic. Um, I, I just wanted to ask about when uh, when I'm stuck in mental anxiety. A lot of it comes up around my children dying. Uh, my friend just lost her son to leukemia and uh, it, her, he was complaining of leg pain before you know they diagnosed him and yesterday my daughter was crying because of her legs hurting so then my mind just grasped onto that saying oh god what if it's leukemia and then, then it's like then I go into searching online and oh it and I and it's like then my body starts just like feeling so tense and I just don't know I like I now I just feel like it's so like I've gone so far in that I just can't get out and I don't know how to like not listen to that so I'm just do asking. service, do service, huh? do okay. service. Okay. Not with not to your not to a uh, people you know, but someone else. Just do service. You'll come okay. right out of the ass of self. Thank you. <laughs> yes, simple. It's not a difficult thing. 
if you come in and you you've diagnosed the correct diagnosis, you're up the ass to self. Well, to me, the correct advice is do service. That's what works. Yeah. It's tried and true. It'll take your attention off of that topic that you kept going down the t tunnel to see it up the ass to self. That's all. Yeah. The topic can have incredibly importance, but its location being up the ass of self is being used for other nefarious ends. Yeah. Which is us obsession and shit. Yes. Mm -hmm. This is what it does. There's some gold in the thing, the topic, but where it puts the gold is up the ass of self. And now you're fucking a wreck thinking this is going to happen. So service will pull you, pull that attention out. It okay. will. Yeah. I've had it. Do you know what hospital and institutions meetings? Remember those? Yeah. I don't know what they call it in other places, but in San Francisco, it's hospital and institutions. And after six months of being sober, you could get a commitment where you would go to a place once a month. Yeah. And usually with another person and just present a meeting. And I remember, you know, the first few years, the fucking up the ass itself. I needed a divine proctologist, you know, on my, my phone. It was happening seemingly all the time. And I remember the power of keeping that commitment for the hospital and institutions meetings. And no matter how far up the ass itself I was, in about in a mere 10 or 12 minutes of being at that meeting, I was pulled out. So when I say service, it's coming from my own experience. Yes. Okay. If you describe the diagnosis that it sounds like you're up the ass of self, let's not say, well, there's no you up the ass of self or shit like that. Just go right to service. Yeah. Pull you right out. Great. Just like my friend, he lived from a, a, a bad upbringing and he's afraid he's never going to be taken care of yes so and all he needs sometimes is hit me to lend him money it takes it away i don't have to go into the whole psychology oh i could blah, blah. all he needs is money <laughs> really that's where he's at if he doesn't have the money he's afraid he's not going to have the money so you give him the money and it takes away that fear you don't have to go into the psychology of it and this and that, just lend them the money. That's what I do. And it works. Yeah. So some of us, you're just up the ass of self. Doesn't matter why or why not. And just service. Service will pull it, pull it out. Yeah. Thanks, Paul. Yeah. You're welcome. I really don't. I don't sit with this guy. You know, you have to remember you're in the good hands. And no, I just give him money. It works. It takes away the pressure. His rent's paid. Then he can get over it in the next week. Yeah. But all the yapping and he doesn't have the money, it doesn't work. Yeah. Sometimes you just the solution. Yeah. That's yeah. that mental activity wants to engage in the story and keep the story going. Yes, very much. And, uh, you know, whatever, whatever. Some, yeah, just like when someone you're obsessed with self and you get to a point of questioning service because you think you're trying to, you're getting something out of it. And I don't think I should do service anymore or whatever. The person who you're handing the sandwich to just does not give a shit about your condition. 
They want the sandwich. Yeah. Exactly. No matter what you're thinking about yourself, you're still being used to to take that sandwich from the container over to the person's hand. Yes. You're being of service at that moment. Yeah. Yeah. This psychological stuff can put it to the side, I feel. Yeah. Yeah. The person isn't looking into your innermost intentions when you're giving them the sandwich or the soup. They fucking want the soup. Yeah, there's their <laughs> hunger. Don't care if you're selfish or selfless. <laughs> Give me the sandwich. Yeah, there you <laughs> go. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, it's unbelievable, literally unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, uh, anyone else? You know, I don't see any more hands. Anybody else want to okay. jump in here? Well, that's great then. We had a nice hour meeting, eh? Pretty yeah. good. I'm going to start saying goodbye. Yeah. So, Corey, nice to see you. Uh, yeah. It just shows the power of the head. The power of the head can, you know. Uh, but the beautiful news is there's something way more powerful, and it's readily available right where you are. That unsuspected inner resource is not an inner resource in some place you're out of. It's an inner resource in where you are. <laughs> you're already there. Just look around. There's the inner resource. <laughs> I'm I'm too far away from the inner resource. No, the inner resource means it's right where you are. <laughs> yeah. Right. I have to find my inner resource. Yeah, you have to find your inner resource. Yeah. It's like checking in to see what condition your condition is in. <laughs> uh, all right. Al Vegas. Nice to see you, Al. Yes. Michael Stacy, as always. Joseph C., our man in France. John in Florida. Danny, seemingly in a car at the moment. Chris B., underneath his lovely hat. Roman Mueller. I don't see the radiator. It mustn't be a bad day in uh, Germany. Corey, Eric Platt, Mike M, Elane V, Miss Volkmann, Regina. Nice to see, see. you. One woman shortly. I think John M. K had his hand up. I saw. John, John K had K. his hand up. <laughs> John K, do you have your hand up? Tell the truth. You have I your virtual did. hand up. I did, but I chickened out because it was so late and you already started to say goodbye. Okay, that's good. Well, we'll be we'll be here another day, hopefully. Yes, you'll have your chance. Yeah. Most questions won't last the night, I'll tell you. Yeah. All right. Say so thank you, Miss Volkman. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Keep an eye on me, honey. I need some supervision. Yes. Yeah. John K. Walter. 
My brother from another mother, Celia. Nice to see you, honey. Fletch, some phone numbers. Uh, I don't know where else. Oh, we got my friend from Kentucky. Uh, yeah. Hey, thanks, everyone. What a nice. I hope you had as good enough time as I have. It was very nice. Thank you. Thank you for holding the space. Yeah. Much appreciated. See you. Bye-bye. Hey, we'll be here Saturday, a live meeting in Marin County. And then uh, all the events are in the Zen Bitch Slap event page, all the Zooms. And uh, there's no passwords. Just come if you like, and we'll see you soon. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, Paul.